If you'll please open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20. So Ephesians 6, verses 18 to 20. This text is at the very end of this section on uh, spiritual warfare and the whole armor of God. And all that's left after today is the final greeting, which we'll look at, Lord willing, next Sunday. But today we're looking at the, the topic of prayer. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that perhaps... Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, might be the, the best and most helpful and even most comprehensive verse on how we are to pray, and yet many of us never ever think about this verse whenever we're thinking about what the Bible has to say about prayer. I confess, I mean, I, I've known this was coming, but it kind of snuck up on me as to how, on the one hand, how challenging and thorough and comprehensive, and yet how, how hopeful and helpful and practical, especially verse 18 is. Now, because the verses that come before um, are the, Paul's description of spiritual warfare and putting on the whole armor of God, that some pastors and commentators view prayer as the, the final piece of armor, the culminating piece of armor, or they view prayer as uh, the final spiritual weapon, that we take up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and we take up prayer. In fact, that's how uh, John Bunyan in Pilgrim's Progress sees it. He talks about a, a weapon called all prayer, which very clearly comes from verse 18 in our passage. However, I, I don't know that that's the most helpful way to think of prayer as, as one of the weapons that accompany the whole armor of God. I, in fact, I think that Paul's saying something much more profound about prayer, something bigger about prayer than, than, than simply that. I think what Paul's saying is that prayer is what makes the, the rest of the whole armor of God effective in our lives and effective for our spiritual battle. But I think he's essentially saying that, that we need to put on the whole armor of God prayerfully. And over the years, uh, several different um, uh, hymns actually communicate that same idea, that same view of these verses. For example, one says, to put your armor on attend with constant prayer. Another, put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. And then there is restraining prayer, we cease to fight, prayer makes the Christian's armor bright. Or as Pastor Kevin DeYoung puts it, the Christian's armor will rust unless it's oiled with prayer. Right? We put on the whole armor of God in a posture, in a, in, in a manner, in an attitude of, of constant prayer, that, that prayer is to be the, the, the air that we breathe, the, the atmosphere in which we live, the, the whole Christian life. As someone once put it, prayer is the first thing, the second thing, the third thing, therefore pray, pray, pray. Or as John Owen put it, once uh, he once said that he would rather judge a man's theology from his prayers than from his books. Pastor Robert Murray McShane said, a man is what he is on his knees before God and nothing more. I also once heard that too many of us play and we worry by the truckload while we only pray by the thimbleful. You know, I could go on and on with more and more quotes about prayer and the importance of prayer, and, uh, but I'm willing to bet that we all agree, yes, Richard, hey, prayer is important. And my guess is that we all agree, you know, yes, Richard, I, I wish that I prayed, you know, more than I worried, or at least as much as I worried, or maybe even half as much as I worried about various things. 
My guess is that most of us, we agree, yes, prayer is important. It's, it's crucial. And yet we, we all wish that we prayed more. Now, I'll let you on a little secret. Most pastors, church planters, missionaries struggle with prayer in much the same way that you do. That every one of us, we, we have to fight against being distracted whenever we bow our heads to pray. That it's a struggle for all of us and a fight for all of us to, to set aside time to pray. But the key is that we must never ever give up on this struggle to make prayer a priority. Or, or put another way, we must never ever stop restarting our prayer lives. We must never stop restarting our, our efforts to, to pray more and to pray more fervently and to pray more deeply and to pray more specifically and more consistently. And so my, my aim this morning is, is really to preach to you and to me as, as, a, fe- as a fellow struggler with you in this. You know, as a pastor who sometimes views prayer as a duty, you know, sometimes view it as, well, this is something I'm literally paid to do, is, is to go to this meeting, to, to, to spend time praying, but also as someone who more and more desires to, to wake up in the morning and to spend some time in prayer even before I leave my bed, who, who desires more and more to, to get out of the house and go on a walk in my neighborhood and, and really turn that into a prayer walk that just goes on and on and on because there's many, many things to pray, to be praying for, praying about. I'm about to read these verses to us, and especially in verse 18, the key word that shows up four times is the word all. That Paul's going to instruct us to pray at all times, with all prayer and supplication, with all perseverance, and for all the saints. And that word all is key. The theologian John Stott said, most Christians pray sometimes with some prayers and some degree of perseverance for some of God's people. But to replace some by all in each of these expressions would be to introduce us to a new dimension of prayer. To, to grow more, grow in praying more deeply, more fervently, more specifically, more urgency, more consistency. And that's what Paul aims to do with our passages. So here now, God's holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible, life-giving word. I'll begin reading in Ephesians 6, verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. And it's absolutely true. And it's given to us in love for our good. And so we're going to look at this passage with four headings, be four questions and answers. So when we are to pray, the answer is at all times. What are we to pray? The answer is with all prayer and supplication. How are we to pray? Alert with all perseverance. And then fourthly, for whom are we to pray? And that is for all the saints. So first, when are we to pray? At all times. You look at the first part of verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit. You know, for the Christian, prayer is meant to be a a lifestyle. It's, It's an attitude in which we live the Christian life. To pray at all times. And all means all. 
And Paul, Paul says a very similar thing in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so now, if you've been wanting to um, kind of get into Scripture memory, memorize these three verses. One, they're super short, okay, so you'll be encouraged. And these are incredibly practical, incredibly helpful. And notice verse 17, pray without ceasing. Right, pray without ceasing. You look back at our text in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. See, pray without ceasing, pray at all times. It doesn't mean that we are to exclusively devote every minute of every day to prayer. And I don't know if, if you've ever struggled with this or tried to do that. Um, you know, as a young Christian, I felt, a, I guess, a, a sort of legalistic pressure to try to do this. Okay, to, I memorized these verses, and I got to pray at all times, I got to pray without ceasing. And, you know, I was, uh, it was the, the, the summer after my sophomore year of college, I'm a brand new Christian. And I am working um, in McDonald's on, at, in Daytona Beach, which, you know, that's, that's an adventure that everybody ought to go through at some point, um, especially Daytona Beach and, and McDonald's. And, and they put me uh, way away from all the customers back on the grill. And so I was back there, and no one else wants to go back there because, I mean, it's too hot, it's nasty, I mean, it's, it's a bad place, you're burning yourself. Anyway, I'm back there, and, and I try to pray without ceasing for the, for the whole duration of my you know, a little solitary shift back there on the grill. And, and, I, and I was so frustrated and disappointed with myself because I couldn't do it. And I kept getting distracted. And yet I felt this pressure to kind of keep trying and keep trying. You see, praying at all times, praying without ceasing, doesn't mean to pray every single moment of every day. It means to live a lifestyle of prayer and communion with God such that we are ready and eager to pray in every kind of moment. Not that we're literally praying every moment, but that we're ready to pray in every kind of moment. That we, that we, we realize that there's nothing, there's nothing that has or can or will happen in your life or in your family or in your friends later today, tomorrow, this next week, that's not the perfect occasion for prayer. Right? That includes the good times, the wonderful times, the hard times, the scary times, the times of uncertainty, any and all times are the right time to pray. Paul says, pray without ceasing. He says, pray at all times. Pastor John MacArthur says, when we are tempted, we hold the temptation before God and ask for his help. When we experience something good and beautiful, we immediately thank God for it. When we see evil around us, we pray that God will make it right and be willing to be used of him to that end. When we meet someone who does not know Christ, we pray for God to draw that person to himself and to use us to be a faithful witness. When we encounter trouble, we turn to God as our deliverer. We pray at all times, good times, bad times, hard times. Think about that. Think, you know, what, 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 if, what if you did that? I mean, how would that not only change your prayer life, but how would that change your whole outlook on life? Your whole perspective during the impossibly hard times and during the great blessings of life. If everything that came our way was viewed as, you know, an opportunity and a reason to pray, to pray at all times. Now, each of the past two Sundays, I've mentioned uh, William uh, Gurnall's 17th century work on Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 20. 
you know, I, I know at this point, it's 1,200 pages, and so at this point, you guys are like 500 pages into it, right? You've been reading it. Um, well, eventually, you'll get to his section on prayer, because he, he, he devotes 300 of these 1,200 pages on just these few verses. And so out of 300 pages, there's at least a couple of quotes that need to be read. Here's one. He says, we are to act every grace, season every enjoyment, mingle every duty, oppose every temptation with prayer. To pray at all times. Be ready to pray in every kind of moment. You know, one of the other things that William Garnall says is that, you know, the devil wants to keep us from praying. And one of the devil's chief schemes and snares and lies is that he whispers in our ear, yet, you know, Richard's right. That's what the Bible says. Prayer's good. Prayer's important. But you know, you're not really one of these prayer warriors. You know, there are other people who are much better at prayer. You should leave the praying to them. You don't really have that gift. They do. You ought to leave the praying to them. You see, friends, don't believe the devil's lies and his schemes. He wants to distract you. He wants to discourage you from praying. And that's true whether you're 8 years old, 18 years old, 88 years old, or somewhere in between. We're called to pray. And to pray at all times. And we really can do that. We can. I mean, brothers and sisters in Christ, understand God really, really does move and work. He moves and works through prayers. God really does change people and hearts and circumstances through your prayers. See, whenever you're in a situation where you wish you could do something, but you're like, I can't do anything. I want to do something, I want to, but I can't do something. Either I'm too far removed or there's some obstacle in the way. I wish I could do something, but there's nothing I can do. Don't you understand what Paul's saying to you here? That there is something you can do and that you should do. And it's to pray, to pray at all times. Gurnall also says, prayerless Christians are like swine. They never look up to heaven until God lays them on their back. Now, that quote may not resonate with you. I know there aren't very many pigs around, you know, Houston. Um, but I grew up on a farm, and we had a lot of pigs, hundreds of them, okay? I, I have all kinds of special talents that involve being a pig farmer. I can tell you all about pigs. But one of the things about pigs, I mean, just their, I mean, their, their head and their neck and the way everything is shaped with their face, they're, all, they're looking down right? Their snouts are down. They're always in the ground in that which is right in front of them. That's all they can focus on is what's right there in front of them, looking for something to eat, something to tear up, something to destroy, always looking right there. But what Paul says is, lift your gaze. Don't be like a swine. You'll be a person of prayer, Lift your gaze to heaven and pray in every kind of moment to begin to bathe your own life in prayer and your spouse in prayer and your children in prayer and your parents in prayer and your family and your friends and our church and, and, and pray in response to every blessing you encounter because you realize that this is a blessing from God. You're praising God from whom all blessings flow, that, that usually every 
concern of yours as an opportunity to pray. Every burden that you bear is an opportunity to pray. I mean, look again at that first part of verse 18. Praying at all times. I know that's easier said than done. But we really can and we should do it. And notice that phrase, in the Spirit. See, prayer in the Spirit is not referring to some different type of prayer. Like there's prayer and then there's prayer in the Spirit. That's not what Paul's saying. Prayer in the Spirit is prayer. It is Christian prayer, right? Prayer in the Spirit is not some more intense or powerful emotional state of prayer. It's not referring to praying in tongues with a special prayer language. Praying in the Spirit means to pray in the Holy Spirit's power. To pray in dependence on the Holy Spirit. To pray in conformity with the truth set forth in God's Word. Right? The pattern for prayer in the New Testament is that we pray to God the Father through God the Son. That Christ is our mediator. That he's our great and faithful high priest. That it's through Christ we have access to the Father. So we pray to God the Father through God the Son in the power and empowered by God the Holy Spirit. And so, so a wonderful, I think very helpful and fairly you know, all-encompassing definition of prayer is given to us by John Bunyan, author of Pilgrim's Progress. He says, prayer is a sincere, sensible, affectionate pouring out of the heart or soul to God through Christ in the strength and assistance of the Holy Spirit. For such things has God, as God has promised or according to the word of God, for the good of the church, with submission and faith to the will of God. That's a mouthful, but that's helpful. So when are we to pray at all times? Second, what are we to pray? Well, we are to pray with all prayer and supplication. All prayer and supplication. Look again at verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. See, to pray at all times means to pray in every kind of moment. And to pray with all prayer and supplication means to pray all different types of prayer. I mean, there are many different types of prayer. I mean, maybe you've been trained in or you've heard about the, the ACTS model, the ACTS model of prayer. And, and that's very helpful. I mean, many of our pastoral prayers and, and elder prayers are modeled after that, where you're, there's adoration and there's confession, there's thanksgiving, there's supplication and request. And I think what Paul's saying here is, yes, use all of that. Pray with in all times and pray with all types of prayer. I mean, this includes using you know, urgent, brief, short prayers, kind of you know, like Nehemiah-like arrow prayers up to God in the moment. It also includes using fixed and planned and set prayers, written prayers, prayers other people have written. It includes you know, praise, prayers first thing in the morning before you get out of bed. It includes prayers as the last thing at night before you go to sleep. It includes the prayers you pray before your meals. It includes long prayers, short prayers, everything in between. And Pastor Kevin DeYoung, I think, is very helpful and very practical whenever he says, you know, there's three types of prayers that we ought to intentionally seek to pray more and more each and every day. I think this is very, very helpful. He says that we ought, the first type is, thank you prayers. That if we were to be more mindful of the blessings and the provision and the protection and the opportunities and even the, the, the closed doors that God gives us every day and we were more sensitive and more 
uh, more ready and more eager and we were quicker to pray, thank you, God, for what you've done in this situation. The other type is a, a help me prayer. We were quicker to say, God, we need your, I need your help. I need your direction. I need your guidance. I need patience. I need endurance. Help me. And the third type would be, you know, please forgive me. You know, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. Lord, please, please forgive me. I mean, think about, think about how often you pray those types of prayers. You know, thank you, God. Help me. Please forgive me. My guess is, if you're like me, then you probably ought to pray them more often. And I think that if you did, like me, it would make a big difference in our lives. Look back at verse 18 again. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. You see, if we're going to do this, if we're going to actually do this, then we've really got to believe and we've got to trust that, you know what, that God's never ever going to say something like this to us. I know it sounds silly, but, but I have to think sometimes this is a little bit of an obstacle or a burden to our prayers, is that we've got to believe and trust that God's never ever going to say something like this. You again? You with more prayer? I mean, you're praying too much. Can, you know, are you going to stop bothering me? I've got other things to do. You're going to bother me with this? You're going to bring this to me? Give me a break. Stop bugging me. You see, you never have to worry about that. God's never busy. Never ever worry that he's got more important things to do. He's never tired. His resources are never running low. It's never, hey, listen, you know, hey, the, the prayer shop is closed today. I've already given everything out. Come back tomorrow. Like, that's not, that's not the way it works. Right? Make every effort to run to him in prayer. And, and while it's true that we ought to, we ought to make every intention that we can, every effort that we can to pray with the right motives and the right heart and the, for the right things and in the right way, don't, don't delay running to your Heavenly Father in prayer until you're certain you have everything right. Just go to Him and pray. I mean, think, think about what Jesus taught about prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 7, it's, it's very simple. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You see, go, go to your Heavenly Father in prayer and ask him, knowing that he really does love you. Like he really does love you. He really does enjoy you. And he delights in you. And know that you can't ask him for too much. There's nothing too big for you to ask him. And there's nothing that's so small and so trivial and so silly that it's a waste of his time for you to ask him. So think about that in your own life. Okay, is there something that you've refused to go to God in prayer about because you were worried that it was too big? Or you were embarrassed that it was too small, too trivial? Your father, he's welcoming you. He's inviting you to pray to him at all times and all types of prayer. 
That's when to pray, what to pray. Thirdly, how are we to pray? And what we see here is that we are to be alert with all perseverance. To that end, verse 18 says, to that end, keep alert. Keep alert. Remember, this is in the context of spiritual warfare, putting on the whole armor of God, how the battle is real, it's personal, it's spiritual, that we really do have an enemy. Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful, right? Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And because that's true, Paul says in Ephesians 6, 18, to that end, keep alert. You know what that means practically? Keep alert. Dear Christian, there's never a season, there's never a week, there's never a day when it's safe for you to let your guard down. There's never a time where it's, it's safe to, to dabble in a little sin. There's never a time whenever it's safe to flirt with what seems to be a harmless temptation. See, this summer, keep alert. Later today, keep alert. Whenever you're traveling, keep alert. Whenever you're on vacation, don't let your guard down. Keep alert. Paul says, pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication and keep alert, as we see in verse 18, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. But simply, never give up praying. Never give up. Never give up. Um, are you familiar with Jesus's prayer about the persistent widow? It's found in Luke 18, and it's one of his prayers that he very helpfully um, tells us exactly what the purpose of the prayer is in Luke 18, verse 1. It says, and Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they always ought to pray and not lose heart. That's very helpful whenever he tells this is exactly the purpose. So that you wouldn't, you would pray and not lose heart. That you would pray with all perseverance. That you would not give up. So don't lose heart in your praying. That your heavenly Father delights in your wrestling with Him in prayer. Not letting Him go. That you keep asking over and over. You keep seeking. That you keep knocking on that door over and over and over again. Day by day by day. Week by week by week. Year by year. And even if you, if you, if you stop for a season, He welcomes you to take it back up again. So, I mean, have, have you lost heart in prayer? Or maybe, you know, for what or for whom have you lost heart in prayer? Remember who your Heavenly Father really is. He loves you. And He's able. As we saw at the end of Ephesians 3, He's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Than all we could imagine. So don't forget that. Don't forget who He really is. To, to illustrate this persistence, um, the, uh, the, the Harris family has a dog, and uh, his name is Herschel, uh, named after you know, the greatest college football player of all time, but is named after him, and we, we've, had Herschel, we've had Herschel for eight years now, and for most of that time, for most of that time, he was our only pet. During that time, I was able to successfully fend off you know, bearded dragons and, and birds and parakeets and uh, other little small rodent-like creatures and other dogs. I was able to, to guard and protect all of those things. 
That was until my youngest daughter, Elizabeth, really wanted a kitten. She really wanted a kitten. I didn't want a cat. I still don't want a cat. But Elizabeth wanted a kitten, and her mama wanted a kitten, and her sisters wanted a kitten, and her brother didn't really protest having a kitten. And Elizabeth was persistent, and her friend happened to have a kitten. And the friend's, the friend's family was willing to give us all of the other stuff that's needed to care for such a kitten. And so she was persistent, and she, she wore me down. Now, the cat is often outside, even in the front yard, so if you would like to come by, you know, you, you're, like, you, you, you're free. if you can catch it, you can keep it. But the... Uh, but Elizabeth was able to wear me down. She was able to do that because she knew and she knows that I love her. And she knows that I was, she knew I was able to say yes and to allow her to have the kitten. See, and that's key. That's no small thing. I mean, dear Christian, do you realize, you need to realize, you need to trust that your heavenly father loves you and he's able. He loves you and he's able. I mean, that's how David ends Psalm 62. He says, once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, God is able, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. See, we're only able to persevere in prayer whenever we believe that God is able and that he loves us. And our perseverance in prayer shows that we actually believe this to be true about our God, that we really believe he's able that he's sovereign, that he's capable, and that we believe he's good, and that he loves us. And so again, for what or for whom have you stopped praying? See, it's never, it's never too late to start back praying for them again. And what God's word says in many places is don't ever give up. Don't give up praying for that spouse, for that child, for that parent, for that friend, for that situation, for that healing, for that relationship. Don't, don't give up praying. So when are we to pray? At all times. What are we to pray? All prayer and supplication. How are we to pray? Alert with all perseverance. Lastly, for whom are we to pray? And the answer that Paul gives is for all the saints. And so look at the very end of verse 18. Making supplication for all the saints. So do you realize that one of the greatest and most loving things you can do for one another is to pray for one another? You know, if you're not already praying for other members of our church, then, then start somewhere. Just begin somewhere. Begin small. You know, you can begin praying for folks in your city group. You can begin praying for folks in your Sunday school class. Begin praying for the, the, the people who sit beside you. And I know you, you kind of sit in the same seats, so you begin to know those people. And so pray for those people who sit beside you. You know, you, use the QR code and, and let us know if you'd like to receive the weekly prayer list that comes out, you know, at least once a week. And you begin to pray through it. You know, every time we have new members join our church, take that insert with their photos on at home and begin to pray for them by name. You know, pray for our church as a whole. Pray for, for unity and for humility and for patience and for forbearance and for grace with one another. You know, pray, pray for our staff. 
Pray for the ministries that our staff leads. Pray for our children's ministry and student ministry, young adults ministry, young families, ESL, for our partnerships with Cedarbrook and Lion Lane. Pray for our, our missionaries and our ministries here in Houston and around the world. That in our weekly e-news, we've started listing one of these mission partners or ministry partners both here and around the world in there every week with prayer requests. This past week, it was for Mintz International Seminary. And if you know one of our elders, Dan Tidwell, he, he's on staff with Mintz. And so there's prayer requests there you can pray. Go to the website. You know, click on the main button in the upper right corner. It says ministries. Click on that. You'll see missions. Then there's four different categories of missions. Pray for church plants, pastor training, discipleship and evangelism. You pray for mercy ministry. The, the thing, though, is to begin to pray, to pray for one another at all times with all sorts of prayers and to not give up. So I want you to think about this. If, if every prayer that you've prayed for someone else over the past month came true and you knew that was going to happen how would you have prayed differently this past month or what if i told you that every prayer you're going to pray this next week for other people was going to come true how would that impact the way you pray paul says pray like that all the time with all prayers with all perseverance for all the saints. And then lastly, in verses 19 and 20, Paul says, please pray for me. He says, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. See, Paul's prayer request was for faithful words to proclaim the mystery of the gospel and boldness with which to speak those faithful words even while he's um, in prison chains. He says, pray for me that I would proclaim the good news of the gospel clearly, faithfully, boldly, the good news of the gospel that while we are yet sinners, we've rebelled against our God, our creator, rebelled against his word, rejected his word, that while we are dead in our trespasses and sins, as Paul wrote about in Ephesians 2 verse 1, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son to live the perfect, sinless, righteous life that we failed to live and to die on our behalf in our place on Calvary's cross to atone for our sins in full to cancel our sin debt completely. And he rose from the grave on that first Easter morning to prove that all of this is true, to accomplish our salvation, so that now all who trust in him get the benefit of his death, our sins are washed away, we, 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 are, we receive his righteousness, his righteous life credited to us, and that resurrection that resurrection power that raised him from the grave raises us from our, our state of spiritual death where we're dead in our trespasses and sins to, to new life, to walk in newness of life. And we're born again. And what Paul says is, please pray for me that I would proclaim this message over and over and over again with faithfulness and with clarity and with boldness. I think even with urgency. Because heaven and hell are at stake. 
You see, dear friends, if you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Christ, trust in Christ. Don't believe the lie that you're just a few bad habits away from cleaning your life up. That's not how the gospel works. No one gets to heaven because they've done more good things than they've done bad. You must trust in Christ. It's what he has done on your behalf. And don't think that you're too far gone. Listen, Paul wrote in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The worst sinner among us is not in any greater need for God's grace than the best of us. And the best of us is, is, doesn't have any less need for God's grace than the worst of us. We are all in the same place. We all need the grace of God. And the grace of God is found in Christ. Trust him in his life, his death, his resurrection. Paul says, pray for me that I would, I would remember that this is real. This is serious. The world needs to hear this. The pastor uh, from the 1600s, Richard Baxter, said, I preach as though never sure to preach again, as a dying man to dying men. There's a, that there's a sobriety and, and a reality about this message. I mean, this, yes, this is a sermon about prayer, but it's not like, well, it's not merely, hey, I wish you would consider just maybe praying more. That, that Paul is saying, realize that, that heaven and hell are real. This is urgent. And so pray for me that I would proclaim the gospel boldly and faithfully and with urgency. Martin Luther said, I preach as though Christ were crucified yesterday, rose again from the dead today, and is coming again tomorrow. Paul, that's what Paul, Paul's saying, pray for me that I would preach as if this is real. Real salvation for real sinners in a real Savior. See, it was a request for faithfulness, boldness, urgency, and with gospel hope. And guess what? We know that God moved and worked through those prayers because of what we read in the Philippians which is most likely a letter written shortly after Ephesians. If we look at Philippians chapter 1, we read, Paul say, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And listen to how similar this is to Paul's prayer at the end of Ephesians. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And then at the end of the Philippians, in Philippians 4.21, he says, All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Those who've heard the word through his preaching. And then listen to how Luke ends the book of Acts, in Acts 28, 30, and 31, talking about Paul. Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God, and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So do you see here how Luke's description of Paul at the end of Acts, is, I mean, it's, it's, it almost identically matches Paul's prayer request at the end of Ephesians. What he says in verses 19 and 20, And pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, most folks have heard of Charles Spurgeon, and one of the world's most famous preachers. He, he was once asked, 
What is the secret to your ministry? It's a phenomenal, far-reaching ministry, impactful ministry. What's the secret to your ministry? You know, the, the, the Charles Spurgeon did not say, well, it's because, of, it's because of, of my knowledge of the Bible, although that matters. He doesn't say it's because of my theological convictions. He doesn't say it's because of how I trust in God's sovereignty. He doesn't say it's because of my, you know, because of my, my booming voice. He doesn't say it's because of my, my awesome beard. Hopefully the beard's not the secret, but... What he says is, the secret to my ministry is, my people pray for me. My people pray for me. And listen, guys, I I know that many of you pray for me. You pray for me daily. And, and, And even from time to time, the Lord prompts you to remind me. Remind me either in person or by text that you prayed for me that day, and listen, and, and it means so much. You may never ever know how big of a difference it makes in my life and in my ministry and in our church. But your prayers for me, for our staff, for our ministries, for our church, they do make a difference. They really do matter. And so thank you. And don't stop. Please don't stop. And if you're like me and you want to and you need to deepen your prayer life, I think a great place to begin is in Ephesians 6, verse 18. To pray at all times, with all types of prayers, with all perseverance, and for all the saints. And making that effort to move from sometimes, some to all is what makes the difference. Let me read this quote again to you. Most Christians pray sometimes with some prayers and some degree of perseverance for some of God's people. But to replace some by all in each of those expressions would be introduce us to a new dimension of prayer. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and the clarity that this passage teaches us about prayer and its importance, how we need to do it. My guess is that for, for many of us, maybe even all of us, we... We, we acknowledge that we, we want to grow in prayer. We want to pray more consistently, more fervently, more deeply, more specifically. Father, enable us to do this. Enable us to trust and to rest in the truth that you are able and that you love us and that you delight to hear and to answer our prayers. Father, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.